0: Only at Sleep Number stores or SleepNumber.com.
1: Okay, given what happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite, I decided... I am going to wear this ridiculous T-shirt. That's right, it says, I've got a warm and fuzzy feeling in my tum-tum. The reason I'm wearing this is because even though I do say silly things like this all the time, I genuinely mean it. So today, for the love of everything, be positive, go and put some positive thoughts into the world, tell people that you love, that you do love them, just give them a damn big hug because that is what is important, my friends, and everything else is doolally. Otherwise, oh, hello, welcome to Ups and Downs. Just another reminder that come Monday or come Tuesday, when we do raw ups and downs, we're gonna have a bit of a redesign here on the show, so look forward to that. But as for now, we take the finger of power, and we give the good bits an up, and the bad bits are down from the latest episode of AEW Dynamite. <music> Dynamite this week literally started with the Jericho Appreciation Society walking to the ring. Like, the intro stopped and they were already halfway down the entranceway. And I respect this, because nobody should be tired. they were also facing Ricky Starks and Action Andretti. And let's not forget that All Elite Wrestling so far in 2023 has done a great job with them. And the first two people in the ring were Sam and Action. And they basically went like this. if you're wondering what that was, it was my terrible impression of a really fast car. Because they were going 100 miles per hour. Nope, I don't know why you watch this either. They were just doing all the flips, the super kicks, and at one point Andretti used the head scissors to take Sammy Guevara out to the floor. That basically didn't work because Guevara got back in the ring and he did this like flippy thing and then he hit this corkscrew drop kick. And it was frankly ridiculous and it made no sense. Two plus two equals potato. That's why I mean potatoes. It then went dive central, which sounds like a bar you should not attend. When Sammy Guevara went for a hurricanrana off the top rope, Axel Andretti landed on his feet and he hit a standing Spanish fly. I kind of watched this and was like, what the hell is happening anymore? This is flubbing ludicrous. This was enough high-flying madness, so Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho tagged in, and they just died to chop the ship out of each other. When Rick was like, oh, I'm going to do my top rope walk thingamajig, when Sammy came off the top rope, and he hit him with this cutter. All of this happened in about five minutes. I was like, well, you might as well end the show now. What else are you going to do? It did mean that Chris and Sam were then able to turn the heat up a little bit and beat up Ricky Starks. But what happens when you increase the temperature? Everybody starts to get hot. So Andrade was on the apron going, hit this thing, hit this thing. And when he did... Damn it, he got the hot tag. Turns out he loves breaking necks and he loves breaking backs because he was hitting all these neck breakers and he was all these back breakers. When Ricky Starts got back in there, he hit a DDT when Axel Andre just did a standing moonsault. That game continued because we had spears, code breakers that would turn into Liger bombs. At one point, Sammy Guevara tried to go to his GTH and he got insecure and instead, it was wrestling tennis. As ever, Jericho just doesn't care anymore and he just wants to give you every ounce of his body. So he got Rochambeau'd onto the floor and because everything was going bonkers Because at this point, the referee didn't know what to do. So Daniel Garcia, who was on the outside, got Floyd the baseball bat. He twonked Andretti right in the head, which means he got GTH'd and he lost. His first loss since he pinned Chris Jericho. So I think all of this has been very well thought out and the match itself rocked. But also, at the start of the thing, when the Jericho Appreciation Society did whip off their pants, Jericho's fell right onto his face. And you could see that he laughed a little bit. That is the best part of all of wrestling up. As you may have seen throughout the week too, thankfully and finally, somebody at Warner Brothers Discovery, who of course owned the channel TBS, decided no AEW, you are allowed to play tribute to Jay Briscoe. And we got this video and I tell you my word, somebody been cutting onions. This truly was something else and I would implore you to find a few minutes of your day to watch it be it on social media, YouTube or on Dynamite itself. Because not only was it a fine tribute, but it will serve as a wonderful memory to that man. So no ups and no downs, because it doesn't seem very fair to attach such silly things to something so powerful and so serious, although we will address that when we get to the main event. And once again, all the thoughts and well-wishes with his friends and his family, I hope they're doing okay. Bernie Matthews versus Darby Allen for the TNT title was next. Darby Allen is just smashing it right now. It was also nice seeing Buddy in a one-on-one match because we haven't got that in ages and we should probably change that going forward because he's also so good. And as ever, you know the deal, Darby Allen has some kind of calendar and in it, it says, when we get to 35, make sure we're totally broken and he keeps doing stuff like this. Darby was also selling his wounds from his great muta match that he had over in Japan. (laughs) And because Julia Hart was at ringside, she must have been watching wrestling for a while and been like, why does everybody wait so long before they start casting distraction? I'm gonna do it instantly. And she did. It also allowed Matthews to hit all of these suplexes and every single one basically went into the ring apron. And I do believe hang on it was me it was me <laughs> the wizard in the sky the secret entity that controls all of professional wrestling. So the next time somebody comes up to you and says meh meh the ring post is the hardest part of the ring I don't have any real problems so I'm gonna moan about this remember that the reason it's the ring apron which is the hardest part of the ring is because I went hullabaloo and I made it so I'm basically a very Harry hairy, Captain McCord. Somehow, Alan was able to survive all of that, though, and then he reversed the power bomb attempt into a hurricane ana, meaning Buddy went right into Barry Barricade. You no, know my deal with that. I want to protect Barry as much as I possibly can. But Matthews didn't really care about this because he basically started eating away at Darby Allen's leg. He didn't eat it, he's not a zombie, but he started to beat it up. He also hit this nuts meteora onto the ring apron. I was like, what is going on? Why do we keep going back to this? And given that they were outside, Darby Allen climbed to the top rope and he hits the coffin drop. What did I tell you, 35? The lights then went out, so I was like, oh my gosh, there's more shenanigans when Brody King and Malachi Black turned up. And they basically found Sting and they looked at him. And I was like, yeah, I would do that too. Sting is an absolute legend. Ortiz must have been watching this too because he then ran out with a kendo stick. And do not forget, this means he must have been walking backstage holding that damn weapon, which makes him a bit of a weirdo. And all of these four got into a brawl and they went backstage. And I was like, Ortiz, I understand you're mad at the House of Black, but just go and watch Rampage and you'll figure it out. Back to the in-ring madness because Alan wanted to hit the code red, but instead Buddy Matthews must have been playing video games because he hit a combo. Backslide, pump kick, buckle bomb, curb stomp somehow he only got a two. Buddy then went for a pump handle but somehow Darby was able to reverse that into a code red and once again he decided well there Sting I've been watching your scorpion death drop for many a year but I found a way to kind of make it better and when they were back to the top rope and they were coming to the floor he hit that thing in midair he followed it up with a coffin drop and he retained his TNT championship. This was a barrel of laughs. Up. He also found out what's next for Derby, too, because Tony Schiavone was like, oh, hey, let's have a chat right now, even though you're probably out of breath. When Samoa Joe made his triumphal return to Dynamite on the big screen, he's basically like, Alan, you've made a terrible mistake. I'm now going to kill you, so watch your ass. He also said that taking this title away from him was the biggest mistake of Darby Allen's career. And they're like one and one at the moment. This will be the rubber match. I ain't got no problem with that we had a video for adam cole after this who is training for his big return to the ring and given that throughout all of this he kept looking at a banner that read aew revolution i now think we know when he is returning and i tell you this anybody else started to consider maybe he should be the next aew world champion i totally agree with you which brought us to a tag team match and it was like aew had taken all four of my favorites and just smashed them together Where it was Matt Hardy and Ethan Page Taking on the beautifully haired warriors of Hook and Jungle Boy And much like we have been doing on Dark and Elevation As soon as the firm had come out here Stokely Hathaway and Page were like I Cassidy, you're an idiot Matt Hardy, you're an idiot And don't forget, we don't really like you Jack Perry was having none of this And he hurricanranaed Ethan straight away And when all four guys <laughs> faced off with each other Page was like, nah I don't want none of these beautiful bastards I'm getting out of here We allowed to say, bastards? I don't know. Ethan just kept on doing this because he doesn't care, although Matt Hardy was able to get some offense in on Jungle Boy after a trip. But once again, this was like the opening tag match. If you just let the fumes into the building, you could feel that things were getting hotter and hotter and hotter when Hook got the hot tag. People went absolutely crazy for this too, and he grabbed Ethan Page and just started throwing around like a rag doll. And don't forget, Ethan Page is a pretty big dude. Hardy is not the same as his partner though, so he was trying to help out, so he dragged Hook out of the ring. And just when he was about to hit the twist of fate, Page started jumping around going, no, pick me, pick me. Because they had this weird agreement, Matt had to tag him in. It was a massive mistake, though, because then he was going to hit the twist of fate. Jungle Boy was like, you haven't perfected that move, but I perfected mine, and he locked on the snare trap. This was great, though, because Hardy was pretending he wanted the tag when his hand was all limp. He doesn't care about this guy. He's an absolute goober. When Hook pulled him off the ring apron anyway, Nathan Ethan Page had no choice but to tap out. So do make a note that Hook and Jungle Boy are killing it right now. And if you have been watching the YouTube series, Matt Hardy has started to tease that maybe he's going back to his broken persona. And given that we don't know the deal with Jeff Hardy, and given that the last time we did this, we had no crowds, I say do it, Matt. It's always a riot. All of this is getting it up.
0: I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.
1: Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home,
0: rocketmoney.com slash wrestling.
1: We had some goofy wrestling after this. Or so I thought. Because it was time for the acclaimed of the gun club going through family therapy. And of course, all week, the crazies on the internet have been going, no, we shouldn't be doing this type of stuff in wrestling. It's ridiculous. Everyone has to stop saying that. I need this madness in my life. It makes me laugh. We also had a therapist here who I'm also pretty sure is a wrestler, but like I say, instead of going down the goofy wrestling path, I actually thought this was quite serious. Because the guns were like, oh, there you are, daddy ass. There you are, father. Well, remember, you don't get to have a say in what we're like as people. Because where were you when we were growing up? Nowhere. You were on the road. Max Castor and Anthony Bones were then like, man, you two are terrible people and you're just jealous. When Cole and Austin were like, oh, yeah, well, Anthony, when you were injured, who was helping you out every step of the way? It was us. Like so You don't get to say that. That's just being nice. You can't throw it back at people's faces. Colton then went super guilt trip as he dropped the line, the faults of the sons are due to the father. And you even heard the crowd go, ooh. And this is when I was like, this isn't goofy wrestling at all. It's serious. What will make the guns happy, though, is when they win the AEW World Tag Team Championships and they stormed off out of there. And I actually thought this was really well done because we took a silly situation and we gave it some edge not Adam Copeland. i also got this kind of feeling that maybe Colton and Austin do win the championships after their old dad does help them, but I've just got this feeling in my tum tum. It's based on nothing, but I actually thought all of this worked very well up. Rene Paquette was then talking to hangman Adjun Page again. This is becoming a thing. Because as the cowboy had hinted at something last week, Rene wanted to pry here, and Page was basically like, look, I know I beat John Moxley, and I know I need to look forward, but I just can't get it out of my head. And I think we need to sort it out. And this is mainly because he does want another match next week where he wants to knock out John. Which is when Wheeler Ewan just walked in and said, oh yeah, well John Moxley does accept, but given that's seven days away, why don't you take me on a rampage? Now this can't be a good idea, especially because Hangman said to him, do you really want to do this? What says I won't spank you like I spanked John Moxley? I mean, he didn't say spank, that just came out of my mouth. This makes sense, though, and you've got to imagine that something is brewing here, and we don't really know what's going to happen with the Blackball Combat Club, but I'm intrigued to see it, and intrigue is all I need. And then Brian Danielson had another great match, and it's getting to the point where I may not even tell you that going forward, I'll just tell you when he has a bad one, I wouldn't hold my breath mostly because you'll die. He was taking on Brian Cage who also brought it and we added even more stipulations in here because the commentary team were like, well actually, if you look at Brian Cage's win-loss record, if he is victorious here and he beats Brian Danielson, he's probably gonna be the brand new number one contender. Ooh, the lally. Danielson didn't give a flub that Cage is massive either. He just started elbowing him straight away. And he even locked in the Belle lock in around about 37 seconds, meaning Brian Cage had to scramble to the ropes. Just, this Brian Danielson is something else. This continued when Danielson hit a dive and followed it up with a top rope crossbody to the outside. And from nowhere, at this juncture, my brain went, <laughs> they're both called Brian, but Brian is spelt differently. I didn't could have any control over that. That's what popped in there. And I started looking up and it like, man, can you have a decent thought for once? Apparently, taking Cage to the floor is a terrible idea, because when they got back in the ring, Danielson kind of launched himself at Brian, who caught him and just threw him. Into Tina the Turnbuckle. And I was like, met that poor Tina, she's getting murked. He also did it again into the ring apron, which is the hardest part of the ring, so I was like, Brian Danielson's got no chance here. Especially because then Cage remembered oh, yeah, MGF paid me a bunch of money to ruin his arm. We started to work on the limb. This continued to happen too when Danielson tried his moonsault out of the corner because Cage just gave him a shoulder breaker. Now we can debate this but as far as I'm concerned the shoulder is a part of the arm so mission accomplished. It was then suplex central because we can't call it suplex city for obvious reasons and just when Brian Cage was going to do something from the top somehow Danielson turned that into a superplex and when you do that to somebody as massive as Brian Cage... Makes you feel all flubbly wobbly. The American Dragon then just started to use everything in his arsenal. But he was like, man, this guy's like an end of level boss. What can I do? When he remembered that he's a veteran and he remembered that he's experienced. And he hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. The surprise roll up. Cage couldn't handle that. One, two, three. So bring it down. That is 11 surprise roll ups in 2023 across both WWE and AEW given that we're not out of January, that is definitely going to go over 100. And right after this, Brian Cage once again remembered the money that Maxwell Jacob Friedman had given him, and he hit Weapon X on Danielson. He started to beat him up. Maxwell then came out to survey the situation, and he had a chair, and they wrapped it around Danielson's arm and threw him into Read the ring post, so he was screwed. And just when they were about to pilmanize the thing, who, of course, came out to make the save? It was Doink the Clown. It's not Doink the Clown. Never doink the clown. Maybe one day it's going to be doink the clown, but it was Takeshda. Now, not only does that make sense because it ties into the current storyline, but MJF just ran away here like a coward. So once again, Takeshda continues to climb this ladder into the main event scene and into his big old push. He also took out Brian Cage when he smashed him with a giant knee, and I'm just going to say, Takeshda, your chops. I just find by me when we went backstage where Rennie Paquette was with Brian Danielson. Even though the doctor was like, "You're injured, you're injured, you're not going to be in the Iron Man match," Danielson went crazy. He's like, "I've done it before, I've done it again. I'll have a 60-minute match, even though I am hurt." Because MGF, you are a fool, you are a fake, and I'm going to prove it to everyone when I break you in half. So seriously, within about 15 minutes, I was like, "MGF, he's an absolute pansy. Brian Danielson, you're the king of the world, and I want you to become the AEW World Champion." So I would say this was very successful getting it up. Ruby Soho versus Tony Storm was next as Britt Baker was apparently taken out of the thing after she was injured. But we'll get to it. And as always, we continue to do the OGs versus the newcomer story. I really like this. I think it's really good. Now I am still a little bit convinced that somehow Tony Storm and Ruby Soho will team up, given that they are ex-WWE guys. Although beforehand, Tony did do a promo. She was like, Pff, meh. This Ruby. She's all like, eh, I want to work hard and I want to be friends with everyone. What are you doing? You're meant to be a misfit. Ruby disagreed and said, no, she has put the hours in. So she wants to respect everyone. Although Storm didn't give her the same privilege. Cause she hit her with sweet cheek music to the outside. As always, I'm like, how? How is this not killing people? Ruby knew what to do, because when she got back in there, she busted Tony Storm's face and hit a Saito Suplex. Although when she went for Destination Unknown, she wasn't able to hit it. As such, Storm came back with the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, but she only got a two. And Ruby Soho hit No Future she only got a 2-2. Then made sure to remind everybody that Tony has gone heel because she was all like, oh, my nose hurts, my nose hurts. And when Ruby fell for that, she threw her into the ropes, which is where she hit another sweet cheek music. I know I called the surprise roll up the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, but I may change it to this. Sports entertainment then knocked on the door massively because Britt Baker's music did hit and out she came. And of course, because there was wrestling themes going down, no wrestlers are able to handle that. They started spinning around like what's going on i don't understand although i suppose because ruby soho was in wwe although tony storm was also in wwe that didn't make sense i was going to say this is sports entertainment i've gone off way down a path let's just bring it back she hit destination unknown and she got the three What's that? Oh, I've been fired. I'm so intrigued to see what we're going to do with this, because as I keep saying, I do believe that Ruby Soho will team with Tony Storm and Soraya eventually. And just as a quick aside, a small note from a couple of weeks ago. Yes, women are allowed to bleed. If men are allowed to bleed, women are allowed to bleed because we're just humans. Now, if you don't like blood in wrestling, that's totally fine. But if you're going to start making a disparity between the two... You may be a little bit strange. Anyway, we now shelve that. This is getting it up. MGF was then sat backstage in some room. As always, he just cut a fire promo. Because the only thing he put over to Keshta, even though he thinks he's a little bit of a moron, he focused on Brian Danielson and was all like, oh, you're hurt now, Brian, and you don't think it matters. Well, I'm going to prove to you that it does matter, because don't forget, I'm the world champion, which means officially, when I say I'm better than you... I can prove it. He, of course, wants to make sure that Brian Danielson doesn't make it to Revolution 2, so he has come up with a plan. And <laughs> next week on Dynamite, he's made a call to someone who's made it a profession in destroying fools. And who is coming to AEW? None other than Timothy Thatcher. He also got a highlight package of the stuff he's done in NOAH where it's just arm bar after arm bar after armbar. And as Ever Excalibur did a great job in telling you who this was. I can only imagine that Tony Khan has been watching NXT from 2019, who's like, man, I should do that. I just wanna say though, Maxwell Jacob Freeman has done such a good job in being a prick over the last few weeks, I now truly hate him again. So you gotta give him a round of applause. And this feud is working. We're also going to get Emi Sakura versus Jamie Hater on Rampage, so you should tune into that. And we had a video here because it is a big deal. As we also got it confirmed, the next week on Dynamite, it's Darby Allin versus Samoa Joe for the TNT title. I don't know about you, but I can smell Wardlow. Not literally. I think he's coming back. And then, well, let's just talk about it. As announced earlier in the week, our main event was indeed Jay Lethal taking on Mark Briscoe in a Jay Briscoe tribute match. I know I talk in sweeping statements a lot, but I just want to say I thought this was perfect. I mean, it just showcased all the good in wrestling in around about 12 to 15 minutes and how on earth Mark Briscoe was ever able to do this, I don't know. That man is a hero and he's made of flipping steel. We also had some amazing commentary that reminded us about the life of times of Jay Briscoe. And before this even began, Jay Lethal was just in tears. And I want to make it very clear that there's nothing wrong with that. We're human beings. We should be able to cry. We should be able to show emotion. I saw some absolutely ridiculous things on the internet that made me mad. Of course, this is a sad situation. What the hell could be sadder? So rather than me stand here and go, Mark Briscoe did this and then Jay Lethal did that, what I am going to do is just implore you to find, like I say, 10 to 50 minutes in your day and watch this because I promise you, not only will it take you on a roller coaster ride, but it will just give you some perspective about what's important in life and what's not. I also feel like it's the least we can do to celebrate the life and times of Jay Briscoe. I mean, the message is just so powerful. I'm going to be thinking about this for a long time to come. The real story of the match was that Mark kept going for the Jay driller, but Jay Lethal knew what to do, and at one point he even hit the Lethal injection instead when Mark Briscoe did rock to the outside. But given that they were there, he put Jay onto Alan the announce table, and he hit the froggy bow through it. I don't know why this felt so special. I mean, all the crowd went crazy just really nice. I know it doesn't matter too, but I couldn't help but think of the amazing run the Briscoes would have had if they were able to have a proper shot in AEW. And of course, eventually Mark was able to hit the J Driller. He got the one, two, three. This is when the locker room emptied and everybody was clapping him and he held up both ROH tag team titles. And it's just nothing I can tell you. There really isn't. It was a truly beautiful and wonderful moment. Once again, you got to go and see it. I mean, you're not going to see anything more touching this week because it's not more possible. And again, going back to what we talked about earlier, I would like to pay my own tribute, as ridiculous as that would be. So I came up with this. and I know it's dumb and I know it's a little bit immature, but I'm just going to give it 100 golden ups. I mean, it really did feel like a moment in time. And I really just hope that his friends and family were able to take something from this. I mean, it was wonderful, wonderful stuff. Rest in peace. Jay Briscoe. And of course, we're gonna give this show an up, but I don't wanna go all hyperbole from this point on because it doesn't feel fair. Like I say, just a terrific job done by everybody involved. And you know all the YouTube stuff, like it, share it, subscribe. Once again, we can just throw that over there for the time being. What I really want everyone to do today, I'm gonna repeat the intro, go out there, just try and enjoy every single day as if it could be your last because we just don't know. I suppose we'll finish by putting a graphic with Jay Briscoe on the screen. That seems more than appropriate and that's that. We draw a line under it I give you a salute. Thank you so much for always giving me your time. That means a lot to me. Goodbye.
0: I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect.